This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Kelly King, and I'm here with my co-host, Elizabeth Hyman. Hey, Elizabeth. Hi. How are you? I'm good. We're still working from home, if you couldn't tell from the audio. So we, we just like to say are. that just in case. <laughs> we are still working from home, but it's all going well. I think we're kind yes. of getting into a rhythm and a rhythm of recording our podcast. So thank you for hanging there in with, you know, thank you for hanging in with us and just uh, being patient with us during this time. And we're really excited to introduce you to someone today that you, you may not know her, but you probably know something about who she has written about. And so her name is Ellen Bond. So Ellen, welcome to the Mark Podcast. Thank you so much. It's fun to be with you guys. Yeah. Well, we don't like to do huge introductions on our podcast because we want to hear from you. Like we want to know a little bit about who you are, your family, your ministry, and just, you know, so we can get to know you. Well, it's fun because I haven't had the chance to talk with you all before. So um, I'm in the Washington, D.C. area. I grew up here in a home where my uh, parents were followers of Jesus. And so I was exposed to the gospel from a very early age, um, maybe like many women who are in your audience. And um, then when I was older, came to a point where my faith kind of moved from just my head to my heart, where it really became an, a deeper understanding of grace. And I'll come back to that because that's really a theme I found in writing about Elizabeth Elliot as well. Uh, and when I was uh, growing up, I, I was exposed. We always had missionaries coming to our house. And I grew up just loving the stories about people who were uh, sharing the gospel of Christ in some pretty exotic and, and strange and interesting places. And that always fascinated me. And I knew when I grew up, I wanted to be a writer. I love C.S. Lewis as a, a young, nerdy child with glasses and read all of his books. And uh, so by God's grace, I mean, I was able to become a writer and pursue that path, which in turn has taken me really all over the world to, to interview people. I love going to places, especially in places where believers are persecuted for their mm -hmm. faith. And to hear, what does it mean for you? What is it like to really live out knowing Christ in circumstances that are very different from my own and very difficult? So I love telling stories. And so it was an honor to be contacted by Elizabeth's friends and family and asked if I would write her story because it's a big one. Yes. And just tell us a little bit about Elizabeth Elliot for those who are not as familiar about her. And then tell us how you got involved in this project. Well, I, I grew up knowing about Elizabeth Elliot uh, when I was a young professional working in the D.C. area. She came and spoke uh, at my church and also at Prison Fellowship, where I worked at the time. And I admired her. I knew that she was a, a missionary uh, to Ecuador back in the 1950s, whose husband and four colleagues had all been 
brutally killed by the indigenous people group they were trying to reach with the gospel. And I knew that Elizabeth Elliot, as a young widow with a three-year-old daughter, had decided to go and live among the tribal people who had killed her husband. Mm-hmm. And who does that? I mean, this was right. an incredible woman of radical faith. And she, after her adventures in Ecuador, came back to the U.S. and wrote books and, and spoke all over the world uh, with great wisdom about what it means to follow Christ. And so I admired her. She was very tall, very severe, very disciplined, a number of things that I'm not. And so I admired her, but I really wasn't sure if I liked her much. And so one thing that's been fun in writing this biography is to realize, wait, she, she's a very relatable, funny person who uh, I like very much. I still admire her greatly, but now I like her. So her family, her daughter, Valerie Elliott, who used to be that little toddler child living in the jungle with her mom, surrounded um, at the time by um, naked indigenous people, grew up to be a lovely woman, and she contacted me along with Elizabeth Elliott's best friend. And uh, in talking with my agent, uh, really approached me about writing the authorized biography of this real hero of the second half of the 20th century, really probably the most well-known female Christian leader in a time when there weren't many women kind of in in recognized roles like that in the evangelical church. So that's how I got connected with the project. That's so cool. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I think of even the generation before Elizabeth Elliot, if you were to ask women maybe who was a role model, they might have said Amy Carmichael. And then there was kind of Elizabeth Elliot. And, you know, now that she's passed away, you just kind of go, okay, who's leaving the legacy, the next legacy too? And, and just what an incredible woman she was. Did you get to know her much when she was alive? And did you get to have some conversations with her so that you got to really personally get to know her? No, I didn't. Uh, I, as I said, I, I heard her speak in various settings, but I, I never spoke with her personally. I knew her through her books and through her, her public ministry. So, yeah, so her daughter Valerie was an important piece of this particular you know, project probably as well. And yeah, very much so. And I'll tell you what, the thing that's unique about this book and why it's an authorized biography is that uh, Valerie shared with me her mom's journals. Elizabeth Elliot had journals from the time she was eight years old back in the 1930s up through about 2000. And to read these beautifully written millions of of pages of her handwriting when she's in the jungle, when she learns that her husband has been brutally killed, when she is is uh, deciding to go live with the tribal people, when she is confronted with all the kinds of things that we as women deal with in our lives, you know, dramatic, awful things, and everyday mundane challenges. And to read that journey of a fellow sister, you know, on the path of life, that's how I got to know her in a much more intimate way. I love her books. Some of her books, though, I feel like she kind of hides herself almost, you know? And she was 
Yeah, and she was of a generation where you didn't talk about your feelings, and you didn't. Uh, she grew up in a in a context where uh, she didn't really reveal herself very readily to other people, and yet through the 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 passionate, vibrant personality that flows out of these journals, I, I feel like, oh my goodness, you know, I wish that you would share more of that from the platform. <laughs> right. You know, that's really amazing to think about just the importance and, and kind of a challenge for all of us to, when we journal and the things that we can leave as part of our legacy. Um, it's interesting, my, my daughter, um, found the journal that my husband's grandmother wrote um, on their honeymoon back in the 30s, the 1930s. And she just recently read that and she was just like, wow, that was so insightful. So I do think there is something really we have maybe we need to be reminded of the importance of that and and also just the importance of biographies. And I, I'd love to just kind of have you kind of talk about like, why it's important for Christians to read biographies of those who've kind of gone before us. And so tell us why, why that should be an important genre for us. Well, I think what a biography is, if it's written well, is a, is a story. And we all love reading stories about those who have gone before us and what it was like in the times in which they lived and what challenges did they encounter and how did they overcome them? I mean, everyone loves a great story. And, I grew up reading missionary biographies, as did Elizabeth Elliot. Mm -hmm. And so it is a wild feeling to have been entrusted then with writing her story. And I've tried to write it as a story. Maybe some people aren't interested in biographies because they think, oh, you know, it's just uh, facts and figures and, <laughs> you know, kind of the recounting of events of a human life. And and so I've, I've tried to write it as, as a story because a, a biography isn't like, taking a photograph of something and it's, it's there and it's static. It's more like painting a portrait. Mm -hmm. You get a feeling for the person from the story that's told. And certainly we look at, at the scriptures and the Bible is full of stories of all kinds of flawed characters that we can all relate with that refresh us. It's like, oh, you know, they, that person did the same sort of ridiculous failures that I myself have done. And God has, has his grace is sufficient. And I th I'm hoping that's what readers will enjoy in the story of Elizabeth Elliot, because sometimes it, she could appear to those who knew her sort of bigger than life, mm. you know, impenetrable, someone on a, a pedestal. And in fact, she would be the first to say, oh, my gosh, you know, the Lord has been so gracious to me in the midst of all my failures. <laughs> so I, I found it a very encouraging story to write. And that's my hope for people who read it. Yeah. And I think that goes for biographies, but then also just any story of people like you were talking about ahead of time, just how you write um, stories of people and you love to share that. And I think, you know, throughout scripture, we have so many commands to remember, remember, and tell your children, and tell your grandchildren, and your children's children, and you know, um, I think that the biographies are one way to do that, even though it's for sure not the Bible, it's not inspired, but it's definitely a way for us to see how God has been working throughout history, and how he's still working in our own lives um, through these people that have gone before us, and so that's, I just love that. I love um the concept of that. And I would like to say that if anyone finds my journals after 
I die, then I they might want to burn them instead of publish them. <laughs> I would be a little bit afraid of that. But I, I love that she kind of let you, like that's where her guard was down and she let you into um, who she really was. And so that's kind of one of the questions that I wanted to ask too is, was there anything that surprised you as you learned more about Elizabeth's life and her testimony that you didn't previously know or that um, kind of just, you know, just caught you off guard or maybe just surprised you and you're excited for other people to learn that as they read the biography? Yeah. Well, let me say uh, one tagline. I was thinking when you were talking about biographies, I do think too, in these crazy COVID times where Mm -hmm. we're all more isolated than we normally would be, that there's a certain hunger for human contact and for connecting with other people. And so uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say COVID, you know, isolation is a great time to read good biographies. That's true. That's true. Because we can't necessarily sit around and tell each other in person. So here's a good way to remember. You know, we're hungry for connection. It's a way to connect with another human being. And and so I think as I've intimated already, I, I was surprised by different aspects of what I discovered in these private journals. And one thing that I really loved and I related with, and I think most of us would, was the journey in this book from Elizabeth Elliot being a very dutiful, check off all the right boxes um, type of of, um, of Christian in a very religious subculture, um, she the transition from that person who was uh, somewhat legalistic as a young woman and as a very idealistic young missionary, the transition from that to a person who saw that God's ways are so mysterious and it is not all about rule following or checking off the boxes or all of the I shoulds in our lives that I think we women are very prey to. Right. (laughs) Uh, But it's about following after Christ. Oh, Lord, what is the next right thing you would have me do? Mm. Oh, Lord, I am a mess. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And I I think that that was, was one of the real takeaways from Elizabeth's life that I could relate to in the times in my own life that I am in right now and was in during the writing of this book. I found my personal journey beginning to echo Elizabeth Elliot's life in some important ways. My husband has a very severe brain cancer and I found myself reading Elizabeth Elliot's journals, these these, uh, very poignant and dramatic journals about loss and about suffering sitting by my husband's bed in an intensive care unit as he recovered from a very severe brain surgery and had nearly died repeatedly. And what I found as I was sort of walking my own trail, so to speak, and also carrying Elizabeth Elliot's life around with me in the form of these journals echoing in my head, was that the truths that sustained her sustained me. Mm. You know, and so I almost found in my own journey this surprising organic connection to the woman I was writing about and what God and his providence had caused me to experience while I was writing about. Mm. So I hope some of that kind of bubbles up in the book, because reading, reading someone else's story is not just 
sort of a narrative about another person. I think the Holy Spirit uses a book that is really designed to the glory of God. The Spirit uses it to resonate in each one of us. Lord, what would you have me take away? What do you want me to see bubbling up from the pages of this book? And so as I wrote that, you know, you have to depend on, on <laughs> God to use your own, you know, uh, efforts for his own glory. But that's some of the spirit that went into this book that surprised me. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking too, so Elizabeth, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, one of the other books that B&H did um, just about a year ago was Suffering is Never for Nothing. Is that the right title? Yes. And and it's um, kind of based on some of the same things. And I know I've given that book uh, to people kind of dealing with some suffering and maybe just going through it. And I think it's been comfort not to just commiserate over, um, oh, we're all going to suffer, but just to be encouraged by, mm -hmm. by that and how God is still faithful in the midst of suffering. And I think Elizabeth's life was definitely that. And I know one of the things that we, and this really kind of goes back to some of the things that you said that one of the, that you kind of say is that the question is not, how does this make me feel? but simply, is this true? And then if it's true, then the next question is, well, what do I need to do about it to obey God? So I, I feel like you've kind of touched on this, but just talk about what, what you learned about obedience to God while you were writing this. Well, Elizabeth Elliot was well known for being a woman who um, was not governed by how she felt. And um, she really railed against uh, the culture of her day, and I think it's increased even more in the culture we live in today, but that, that focused a lot on, on feelings and what does it mean to me and, and how do I feel about that. And um, sometimes maybe she went too far the other way and, and uh, embraced some degree of stoicism. But that's just a personality thing. But anyway, <laughs> the point being that um, I, I found it very refreshing to see in these journals and to try to write in her story the raw feelings that the losses, the suffering that she went through, mm -hmm. but also the fact that there were actions to be taken. You couldn't just stay in the feelings or you would never, you would get caught in a cul-de-sac of feelings. You go around and around and around, right? And so I have found, and again, in my own journey, that there's, there's really a, a great sense of hope in just taking the stepping stones out of, in this situation of, Lord, you know my feelings in the midst of this. Show me the next right thing to do. And one step and one step and one step, and you do then continue on the journey. And I think what Satan would have us all do as women, since we are in touch with our feelings and we empathize for others, is take the circumstances in our lives and have us get stuck right there. And I think Elizabeth Elliot was a very muscular kind of, of, of Christian in the way that she approached challenges like that. How, to, how to, to move on, acknowledging the pain, lamenting over the loss, whatever it is, but still moving on in obedience. 
I love that phrase, a muscular Christian. I think that's such a great way. And I think right now, like we've talked about during this time in our world, it can be very easy to get bogged down in our feelings and and difficult to be muscular because we're in some ways quarantined at home and Mm -hmm. it's harder to do things about what, um, what we're feeling and transfer those into action steps. But I think, um, like you said, it's just, what is the next right thing? We're kind of already living day by day during this time. So that's a great question to ask ourselves is like, how can I be obedient today? How can I be obedient tomorrow? Um, and it, it may look different in 2020 than it has ever looked before and will ever look again. But I think that's such a great idea and a, a good phrase. Like, let's all be muscular Christians. Let's put, <laughs> put actions to what we, what God is calling us to do. And I think, um, that's a good point. And so one of the things that we wanted to ask you along with, um, being a muscular Christian, and I think a lot of our women <laughs> are wondering this is like, how do you go about writing a biography? Like what, just tell us the nuts and bolts of like the process of writing. Cause I, we ha- do have a lot of women that are listening that love writing and love to like put together Bible studies and things like that. So mm-hmm. let us know, let, give us a little inside scoop on how that works. Well, that's a, a big question and I could hold <laughs> forth for a long time. Yes. Writing seminars sometimes. So <laughs> yeah. maybe that's a discussion for another day, but um, obviously for writing, I've written now, I think 23 books. And so each one has been, a challenge, its own unique challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, because there was so much material, all those journals—I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of journals—and and and thousands of pages of correspondence, and and dozens of friends and family to interview. Right. So it was pretty overwhelming, and I felt like clearly I am doomed. I cannot do this. <laughs> you know, I mean, there is absolutely no hope. And I feel that way about every book I write, I think. (laughs) And, um, but I think there, as you, with a biography, you've got a life to follow. And um, what I prayerfully do with each book is take in as much information as possible, like a huge wide sieve, you know, Mm -hmm. or a funnel, take in as much info as I can. And then somehow you have to trust the process that your subconscious will reduce it down to what, what are the main things? Mm -hmm. And then those main things become the chunks, not the chapters, the chunks that become the book or, or the elements of the story. And for something like a biography or or a number of other books I've done, I try to also think of it like a movie, Mm. you know, what would catch someone's attention. Now that's different, a different dynamic than if uh, many of your listeners are writing Bible studies. That's not exactly a movie. Though There would be some good movies of some of these Bible studies for sure. For sure. (laughs) But again, I mean, Jesus, uh, the ultimate storyteller, I mean, he used parables. He showed rather than told so often. And there throughout the scriptures, the richness of the stories that are told, I think is a great pointer to believers today. And I think it's particularly important in the times in which we live because Mm -hmm. A lot of secularly minded people don't have ears to hear didactic truth. Right. They're not going to be preached to, so to speak. But if, if we can tell winsome stories that show forth who God is and how he loves 
and how he can surprise us with a fresh wind of, of the spirit. I think stories are increasingly important for Christians today. And I don't mean let's all write fiction. I mean, <laughs> let's figure out how, how to articulate our truth, not just in a set of here, here are the four points I need to give you, but to uh, adapt it to the, the culture of the person we're speaking with. And that might be my secular next door neighbor or someone in an indigenous tribe somewhere, you know? Well, and isn't, I mean, really all of us are living a story. I mean, we all have a story to tell. And I know a, a lady sent me kind of um, something that she had done with her own life story yesterday. And I just was reading through it and I thought it's, you know, it's, it, it is a healing. It was a healing process for her to write this, but just to have it written down. What an incredible mm -hmm. opportunity to say that God has given you and He's stewarded you with a story mm -hmm. um, and a story to tell personally. We tell it to others, but also in the written form. Okay, so personal question: If you could choose someone that you would love to write a biography about, is there someone out there that you would be like, I want to do their biography? You know, you have really caught me off guard with that. <laughs> um, and so I'll think of a wonderful answer after we're off the air, right? So, but, okay, I don't know why this popped into my mind. The first person who came into my mind, Denzel Washington. Oh, that would be a good one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why, but he popped into my head. So take that. There, there you go. go. Mm-hmm. That would be a fascinating one. Because I, I think the reason he happened to pop in my mind is because a number of his movies have redemptive themes. Yes. And I want to know why. That's good. Yeah. I would read that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know if he calls, okay? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the questions that we always ask on the podcast, because it's called Marked, is what has marked you in your walk with Christ? Well, I think at different points along my journey, the answer would be different. And I think I've already spoken to what I have felt very marked by in my experience the last few years. And that is the, the challenges of, of my husband's cancer and the fact that um, each day I feel like we live with both feet firmly planted in midair. We don't know what will come next. And uh, it's a very aggressive sort of disease that um, we don't know what the future holds, but then none of us does, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm thankful for that in the way that it makes me aware of what I otherwise might be complacent about, which is right. the sweetness of each day's gifts. And I have found in this time in my own life that has been one that's been marked by a degree of suffering Elizabeth Elliot defines suffering as uh, having something you don't want or wanting something you don't have. Mm. That's a pretty basic <laughs> definition. <Yeah. laughs> so right now we have something we don't want, which is cancer. And I have, I have found these days of that particular form of suffering really marked by the presence of God with me in a more robust way than ever before in my life. Mm. And so that has been a, an enormous gift. Yeah. Yeah. Ellen, how can our listeners pray for you and pray for your right. husband during this yeah. time? Well, bless you. Uh, I think 
I think what any of us would say is, is, especially when you're praying for someone you don't know well, is praying for the Holy Spirit to intercede in ways that he knows best. And I feel, uh, one time I was interviewing a woman in, um, in Egypt, a Coptic Christian who has been persecuted for her faith there. And she said, oh, you know, believers in the U.S., do not pray that we will not be persecuted. Pray that we will be faithful in the midst of the persecution. Mm. And I think it's, uh, I mean, I, I think for right now, for all of us, the best prayer is, oh, Lord, help our sister, you know, whoever she is, me, you, any of us, uh, to be faithful to you for your glory in the midst of her situation. Wow. Yes. Amen. And I think that's a great place to end. So thank you so much, Ellen, for coming on. Tell us the title of the, of the biography and we will link to it in the show notes and all that kind of stuff. It's what is it again? Uh, The biography is called becoming Elizabeth Elliot. It's about the first 32 years of her life. It's the young Elizabeth Elliot. She was not born middle-aged and twice widowed. (laughs) Actually was a vibrant young woman. So becoming Elizabeth Elliot, feel free to encourage your listeners to buy 50 copies. Yes. We'll link to it in the show notes so that y'all can find it easily. Um, We can't wait to get our hands on it here. And we're so grateful to have you come on and talk with us, Ellen. And we're for sure going to continue praying for you and your husband and each other. Um, this is such an encouraging and um, enlightening episode, both, both of those E-words. So thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun to be with you all. Thank you. All right, everyone, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.